Welcome to another episode of Your Intention Matters, the podcast. My name is still Palmadot. Thanks very much for joining us today. I have Leon Hasid. He is sales enablement and training lead coming to us from a company called Security Scorecard in beautiful Athens, Greece. Leon, welcome, my man. Hey, Paul. Good afternoon. Good morning and good evening to everyone, wherever you may be listening to the podcast from. Thanks so much uh, for being here. I was going to say good afternoon, but it is uh, evening time for you. So thanks very much for joining us. Say hi to everybody and uh, provide a quick intro. My pleasure, Paul. Thank you for having me here. Um, So yes, as you mentioned, uh, I am currently in Athens, Greece, which is where I was born and raised up until the age of 27. Um, You know, it was always a dream and goal to move to the United States at some point, which is currently, well, not currently, but I've been in New York City for the last 16 years, you know, coming out of high school, then undergrad, then the army, it's mandatory in Greece. Um, I, I had to pull the trigger on that uh, intention of mine, if you will. Uh, I have been in sales and business development roles for most of my career, but the last five, six years, I've definitely zeroed in, if you will, in the sales enablement swim lane. And that has been my passion in the last couple of years. Well, I'm looking forward to you sharing your story. I want to talk to you about 2020, but uh, but let's get into your story because I know 2020 has been an interesting year for you on a couple of different levels. And so I, I want to chat with you about that. But let's go back to uh, the American College of Greece, uh, 2002. Oh, wow. Uh, you graduate with a uh, degree in finance and marketing management. Uh, do you remember when you graduated, what you thought you'd be doing? Did you have any vision at that time? It's a great question. Let's start from the end in that I'm definitely not doing what I thought I was going to be doing at that age. Uh, I think everyone can can share the sentiment. So I was pretty good with numbers uh, going into undergrad. So I definitely wanted to go down a finance career path. But um, that's where, if there's any advice that I can offer to younger people, uh, those first couple of instructors you get on those introductory courses in a new domain mean the world. And unfortunately for me, or fortunately perhaps, my finance teachers on the first couple of courses I took did not exactly blow me away. So for whatever reason, I kind of pivoted to marketing and I was enamored with the concept. Um, I was a marketing sales person. I had that identity even in high school. Uh, to begin with. So it felt like a good fit. And that's where I also saw immediate employment opportunities. So I definitely wanted to uh, start working even while uh, being an undergrad. So I completed kind of the, 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 the dual major, if you will, in about five years, but I was also working part-time during, during that uh, period. And so what um, you finished so, your, oh, sorry, I was going to say, sorry. No, go ahead. Going. No, uh, I was just going to say that, you know, obviously, at, at, at some point when you're not 18, but 20, 21, you become more mature about the decision you want to uh, make. And therefore, finance kind of came back to me. I always wanted to combine that kind of quantitative approach into whatever I was going to do, uh, be it marketing, be it sales, advertising, doesn't matter. So I double majored. And coming out of college, I did see employers being intrigued by that. The fact that you were bringing both domains into play. Um, I thought it was very, very appealing to them. And it also allowed me to entertain multiple offers uh, coming out of that. But uh, 
you know, at the mandatory army service was something that was lingering. So I kind of had to do that before entering the, the, you know, the, the workforce. So talk to me about that. So you're in, you're in the Greek military. Uh, and so were you in the army? Were you in the air force? What were you, what were you in? So I was in the air force for about 18 months, uh, which you, you talk about it now and people will laugh at you because they only spent 12 months now. Um, but in the air force, obviously it didn't come in with any prior domain background. Um, I was the lowest ranked uh, employee they could have. I think it was airman. That's what I was called. But you go through a series of basic training and months of service um, being based in different uh, places around the country. I wouldn't say that it was a complete waste of time. Uh, I think it would be unfair. Uh, good lessons. I interacted with people that I probably would never have interacted before. Um, I engaged with uh, individuals that, again, uh, had definitely something to offer to me, bringing, bringing me into their world, uh, you know, because living in Athens, being, you know, growing up in a kind of a private school environment, I didn't really see the world. And that definitely opened my eyes um, and I think prepared me well for, for the realities of the workplace, uh, Greece and beyond. Uh, it was a good 18 months, but, you know, I was eager uh, for that to finish so I can start uh, making some money, but also, you know, taking my taking care of myself and my career. You know, w w once you were finished with your time in the military, um, what did you do next? What was your first real, I guess, quote unquote, job as part of your career? What did you do? Yeah, I always envisioned myself as going into the consulting route. So all of my interviews coming out of the army were with uh, traditional big four companies and boutique consultancies. Uh, I remember interviewing with McKinsey. Uh, I made it all the way to the end, did not get the job. I interviewed with BCG at the time and all of the big four. And I got lucky, um, you know, maybe combination of luck and capability to be able to get a pretty good offer from Deloitte in Greece, uh, one of the big four professional services firms to not exactly do what I thought I was gonna be doing. Remember, I wanted to go down the finance route, uh, but the the marketing and business development role was uh, was open. And after I think I miserably failed the finance assessment, uh, they offered me with that opportunity, they offered me that opportunity and I just grabbed it. Did you gravitate to business development early on? Was it a, a difficult transition for you or was it what you thought it might be? I. I had no prior knowledge of what business development is comprised of, to be honest with you, and still think the way it's defined or executed differs from country to country significantly. Uh, in Greece, given the market, uh, it's really just relationship based. Um, LinkedIn is not something that's used as extensively as being used in the US. Um, networking events are not as dominant as they are in the US. It's more about one to one and referral-based uh, business. So a lot of the business development there was uh, about entertaining customers and prospects in whatever capacity you deemed necessary or possible. But initially it was more marketing comms uh, oriented. Uh, that particular practice, if you will, within the organization was non-existent. So I set it up, but what was more important for me, Paul, and again, I think what has led to where I am now it gave me the opportunity to become a jack of all trades, um, but master of none. But at the time, I was still junior. I didn't have to claim mastery in anything. So being given the opportunity to do everything, I think, positioned me well 
um, to follow up on that intention I talked about, which was always to leave. So I entered Deloitte in Greece with the intention of moving to the United States um, even before I accepted the offer. That was the plan. And did they give you any indication even before you took the job that that would even be a possibility? They did not. So that's that's where you have to be resourceful. You need to be hungry and you need to explore every possible relationship networking, networking avenue to meet the people that will matter down the road that will be able to influence that kind of decision. Um, and things could have worked out differently. Uh, I'm not suggesting it was going to be the plan and the plan had to ex be executed in its entirety. But from the moment I went inside the organization, and it, it is a global organization, you have the freedom to network with your peers around the world. I was very deliberate about who I was touching base with, who I was introducing myself to, who I was letting, um, who I was informing of my plan down the road. Um, I also happened to go to the United States at some point for a cousin's bar mitzvah. Uh, I visited the office. I said, hello, I'm here from Greece. You want to meet? And of course they did. So, so again, very, very deliberate in everything I was doing um, for a path, for a decision that was going to be made in two or three years. Um, and that has always kind of stuck with me in trying to accomplish the goals that I set for myself in that I always have a two, three kind of year horizon and I am very deliberate about the decisions I make. And Leon, how many years were you at Deloitte? So in Greece, I was there for about two and a half years. Um, and, uh, and then I basically just got transferred directly into the uh, U.S. part of the business, uh, the global headquarters, which were in New York City. Two and a half years running kind of my own show within the marketing and business development department exposed me to so much that that transition from the great market to the U.S. was much easier than I expected. Um, and again, it allowed me to get exposed to so many different domains, sales, proposals, sales operations, business development, marketing, competitive intelligence, just kind of getting my feet wet on everything. So I had a very good kind of circular understanding of how that capabilities executed for Deloitte and then was able to transfer that, you know, into the global realities of the organization. So two and a half years. So, and then how many years with Deloitte in the U.S.? Uh, about, I think in total, I was there for 13 years, I want to say. So in the U.S. for about 10 years. Okay. But uh, with a one and a half year stint in Germany. I don't think that's on my LinkedIn. So you probably didn't know that, Paul. Uh, so yeah, I spent a year in Munich supporting uh, the global organization, but from Germany. You know, I'm curious about something. As a, as a guy myself who spent the better part of a decade working for Xerox and a big global company who took a shot on me, I had no sales experience at all, and I was able to develop a bit of a career, sales management, sales training, and so on. Uh, you know, your decision to move on from Deloitte after so many uh, good years where they, they've moved you around, they agreed to move you from Greece to the U.S. and then a stint in Munich in between and then back to the U.S. What was behind the, the decision to move on after that many years? So there must have been challenging loyalty and people that you knew and a network. And so what was that like for you to, for you to move on from them? It was a scary decision, not going to lie. Uh, but two factors. I felt that I had plateaued 
it's almost like uh, you know those superstars uh, and NBA basketball play, uh, players. They don't know when it's really over, and they keep going from team to team, being shopped around, and they don't know when it's really, really over. Well, I I, I left on, on a really, really high note. Um, I I knew that the path was not going to be as promising or as lucrative as it had been up until that point. So that was one. But second, probably more important, the the person that I was ready to go join at this other new company which was also my opening in the cybersecurity world, was someone I worked for at Deloitte. So being given the chance to work with someone that I fully respected um, and knew I would learn a ton from made that risk a very, very calculated one. And it was cybersecurity. Back in 2015, it was already growing tremendously. And, and I felt that that industry was something I wanted to get, get myself into. Uh, again, by being deliberate about it, because it's an industry that will stick around even now in 2020 due to COVID, that industry's relevance is uh, even more important. Can you believe that? So that was what led to that decision. And great decision. Never regretted it. Never looked back. And was life on the other side of the fence? Or was the grass greener? Was it all right? Uh, it was okay. Uh, I wouldn't say it was the grass greener. It was okay. Uh, but you know, I needed to see something different. What I would say, Paul, and I think I'm becoming more of a millennial in that sense. I love the ability to to move around more, see new things, uh, explore new paths. At Deloitte, it, it was um, it was great. I learned so much, but I definitely feel that because of how comfortable and established I was, I didn't keep my eyes and ears open as to what's hap- what was happening out there. Um, I wasn't aware of a function called sales enablement. I didn't know what what elements of the tech stack new SaaS companies use. Um, so I came out from, from that reality and it was an entirely new digital world that in my role at Deloitte, I just did not need to see. And uh, therefore, I'm grateful that I was now being given the opportunity to find learn new things. At Deloitte, I would probably would not have done that. Still, managers that have been successful probably, but I just needed to follow a different path. Okay, so you leave after that many years, take a leap of faith. It's good. It's different than what it was. I also know that you spent some time at KPMG and Gartner, but on contract basis. So what were they like? How did those contracts come about? Yeah, so at that cybersecurity firm that I joined, we got acquired after a year or so. Um, the, the, the MO when I joined uh, that company, the name was Strauss Friedberg, was really to prepare that company to get bought. Uh, we needed to get the sales and marketing uh, departments being, you know, operating in full force, uh, being well-oiled machines so that they're more, you know, the company as a whole is more attractive to buy. Uh, so we got bought by Aon and uh, it was at that time where I was given a choice whether I wanted to pursue other internal opportunities within, not many things that were promising or, you know, um, leave under good terms. We're not going to define how good those terms were, but I took the latter. Um, you know, traveled a bit. Um, I had the luxury of doing that. But when I came back, I decided to start my own thing. And I opened my own consultancy uh, with the name Hello Socrates and really just someone, some name to represent myself. Um, and that's how those contracts were, were found and discovered. Those companies needed some ad hoc uh, support with uh, very strategic initiatives and felt that the Deloitte background I was bringing was very, very relevant and uh, allowed me to, again, enter two, high, two very large corporations 
whose cultures were very similar to Deloitte. So I, I thought I was going to be able to provide immediate impact. Hopefully, um, the, the people signing the check for me to get paid think that I had enough value. Um, I'm still in touch with them. So, uh, so hopefully that turned out well for both of them. But it was a great experience being able to come in, uh, get ramped within a matter of days and being able to deliver results within a matter of weeks is, is something we take for granted when we become full-time employees, if we, we forget about that. So that has definitely changed my opinion as to what you should do your first 90 days on a job, but it has definitely changed my expectation of what salespeople should be doing in their first 90 days on the job. And as a sales enablement leader, I'm not going to forget about the fact that you need to ramp very, very fast. And it's not all on me. You need to do your own homework. You need to manage your own career. And that's something that has followed me since. You know, I want to ask you about uh, Hello Socrates, because uh, we were talking about this. And I'd said to you before I hit record here that uh, the way I'm wired is I have a belief that says the only difference between any of us is the logo on the bag. And you and I are in the same boat here. So I spent almost a decade at Xerox. You spent 12, 13 years at Deloitte. I then left, started up my own consulting sales training company. You did the same thing in a similar vein. Uh, it was a lot harder than I thought it would ever would be when I first started. I thought, oh, this is going to be really good. I have a good network. I have a good product. It's going to be great. But I also realized that I also fared very well in my previous career because the Xerox brand had some strength behind it. And all mm -hmm, of a sudden, there were people sure. who didn't know me, and I'm trying to you know, figure out a way to keep the lights on next month. And it was a lot harder than I ever thought. So I'm curious about uh, your early days when you started Hello Socrates. Was it uh, fairly simple for you? Was it a challenge like it was for me? What was it like when you did that? Good question. Definitely a challenge. It was no longer about the Deloitte brand backing me up. It was only about Leon. Um, Hello Socrates was there to fulfill a narrative that I needed to communicate to potential buyers and to the market, but it was still Leon and what have you done lately? So it was definitely more challenging than I thought uh, for sure. Uh, but, you know, I was also not, I'm also not sure that I was a hundred percent in maybe you Paul were, and probably this is, this is why what you now do is just running your own business. Um, I was also applying to, to jobs at the same time. Because I always thought that, you know, running my own shop was probably not my long-term solution. I may come back to that. We'll see. But um, I wasn't all in. So I think that definitely contributed to me finding it, finding it challenging. Um, however, you know, once you, once you are able to tap into your network and obviously LinkedIn and maintaining relationships has been very, very um, helpful towards that. Um, you're able to find opportunities, but it does take a while to build a pipeline as with any uh, opportunity, as with any business. It takes a while for, for agreements to get signed. And, uh, you know, a three to four month sales cycle when you don't have any other clients means you, you, you don't have any cash inflows. Oh, it's just all out. Yeah. So I, I did not enjoy that life. And again, being 50-50 and, and not all in scared me. Um, and you know, when the security scorecard opportunity presented itself, uh, with what it was promising to deliver for me and it has delivered, it was too good to, to, to ignore. Uh, but again, I may go back to having my own shop, who knows? Uh, but you know, I, I, I just feel that being associated with something bigger than me, uh, being able to interact with others that have the same mission is something that I missed when I was running my own business. 
I'm guessing you're not alone anymore. You have employees. So you found that. But at the time, um, yeah, it wasn't as exciting as I thought it would be. That's interesting that uh, that you you experienced that, and I, I had had a strong enough mindset to say, okay, I need to either go all in in one or the other, and so you made yep. the decision to to move to to a security scorecard. So let's talk about 2020 because I know you've been there for just over a year or so, and yet uh, you're back in Greece right now, not in New York City anymore. So. Talk to me about the last, in particular, the last five or six months. Was it COVID-driven? Um, was there opportunity in Greece? What was behind your decision to move on? And did your company support you fairly well in that decision? Absolutely. Um, so, so, Paul, we talked about this. I live in New York City, and that's where I was from March 13th all the way up to the end of June. Uh, I live alone in a really small apartment in Hell's Kitchen, New York City. And those COVID months were, were tough. I think I probably did not see a single person that I know for two months. Um, I wasn't going out a lot, so I was working the whole time, figuring new things out to do. It was just very, very tough. And therefore, the company was super, super understanding when I decided to go work elsewhere. And obviously, I was born in, getting, having been born and raised in Greece, it was very easy for me to make that decision to just not work from my small apartment in New York City. Um, I want to work in a larger apartment in Athens and eat home-cooked food. So the company was super understanding. It was already a very remote-friendly environment. I think even before COVID hit, 50-60% of our employees are remote. So I was already um, delivering my enablement agenda, uh, focused on a virtual audience. Yes, surely most of our reps were in New York City, where I was based, and I was given the opportunity to do trainings in person. But guess what? Now that that's not even a possibility, the impact that I'm able to make is three, four X. And I almost don't want to go back to the in-person, to be yeah. honest with you. Um, so COVID for the business and for me has actually been pretty good. Um, you know, if you think about the cost of sale alone, how dramatically it has gone down, um, that is a positive development obviously within the context of something very, very negative. Um, the company has been doing a lot of things to make us feel you know, mentally good, like we have mental days off that are mandatory. Um, we always introduce you know, more fun events. Um, our general counsel is also a stand-up comedian, so he will deliver uh, shows for us, just for a company and then for clients and prospects. So it's been fun, but I'm not gonna lie, I needed a break, um, as a lot of New Yorkers did and uh, had to leave. And I obviously plan to come back, but for business purposes, nothing has changed. I'm working US hours, uh, which yes, takes a toll, but I now have my mornings free, which I never ever did, uh, which is pretty cool. So, so yeah, Greece is just temporary. Uh, I can't wait to go back to the city though. And you're in Greece, man. Well, what's to yeah. complain about, right? You're a beautiful country. <laughs> yeah, not gonna complain about that. It's, it's, a, it's an awesome country, which, uh, you know, uh, I, I have near and dear to my heart, but U.S. is now home and I need to come come back to vote. <laughs> well, Leon, you've had quite the ride, man. Everything from you, you grew up in Greece, you went to the mandatory army, you found your way at Deloitte, you, you created the opportunity for them to move you to the U.S., you were able to succeed there, a stint in Germany back to the U.S., had enough intention to move on, realize you plateau. You, you do a couple of other things. You start your own business. You realize, ah, I can't go all in with that right now. I need to do something else. And then you had enough courage to say, 
New York's not working for me right now. I, I, I'm not, uh, it's not okay. I need to figure this out. And the company supported you. And now you find you're back at yourself in your homeland. And you're just as productive, if not more productive than maybe you were when you were in your uh, 400 square foot uh, room in Hell's Kitchen. Absolutely. Don't tell them. Don't tell them though. <laughs> well, that's quite the story. But well, yeah. listen, let, let, let's close with this. I always yeah. like to ask anybody who's on, if they had one piece of advice for anybody listening uh, that maybe has served you well in your life or your career, anything that you might say to someone that was looking for one piece of advice that's that's worked for you? Uh, okay. I wasn't, waiting. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, I do have a motto that I've been using from a very early stage of my career, and that motto is assume nothing. And let me elaborate. I've always been, uh, if you exclude certain years where I was responsible for delivering sales and revenue, carrying a bag, if you will, most of my roles were internal, cost center. And therefore, I always had to prove my value in quantitative and qualitative terms. Everything you do um, will, will go down on your permanent record, meaning it establishes another data point where someone, your boss or another peer, uh, will will look to to evaluate whether you're still important for the organization or not. The collection of those stories can make a difference uh, whether you stay or not. Therefore, assume nothing means don't assume because you're doing a great job, you're helping different people in the organization that that is no, that they, they, they're going to go out of their way to tell their peers or their bosses. So my strategy ever since I was really, really young have been to over-communicate things I do everyone that has a direct or indirect relevance to that activity and not because I'm asking them to do anything just as an FYI just so you know this has happened um, it, it has served me very very well mm. and you know this goes back to my point don't assume that people are going to look out for you you should take control of that entirely Leon that's great advice uh, and I can't thank you enough for being here especially in the hour of the night that uh, that we're recording this so it's been a real pleasure speaking with All good. you thanks so much for being here Same here Paul same here I appreciate the opportunity very much Oh you're very welcome All right everybody let's wrap this baby up right now thanks again for being here remember your intention matters because that's the result you'll tend to get We're out of here and uh, we'll catch you next week be safe everyone and go Raptors Thank you.